meet the real me and my misfits wave life a dark black past is my most valued possession hindsight is always 2020 but looking back it's still a bit fuzzy speak of mutually assured destruction nice story Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Therapy. Uh, wanted to get this out here tonight. As I was sitting here folding laundry, I started thinking, you know, Matt, it's been quite a while since you've done an, a therapy episode. Honestly, I think it's been a couple of months. And that goes right along with basically how I've really fallen off on therapy, which sucks. I mean, that's wholly 100% me, but... I have every excuse in the world not to go, uh, whether they're good or not. I could tell you now they're probably not good at all, but I'm going to give them anyways because that's what I do when it comes to my personal well-being and why I'm not doing, you know, whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing, eating right, you know, exercising, a billion different things. Uh, but it's been kind of a rough week for me and I wanted to get on here and just kind of get some of the stuff I have on my chest off my chest. And thankfully I have this, uh, podcast to kind of be that weapon for me to, uh, release the demons, I guess you'll say, um, been kind of a crazy week. So, um, my father-in-law, you know, I used to call him my stepfather-in-law, but I'm not going to do that anymore because reality is he was my father-in-law. I didn't know my wife's um, father. Um, I've heard great stories about him, but he died, funny enough, on my birthday, like five years before I met my wife or three years before I met my wife. And so I never knew him. I mean, he's obviously, by blood, he's my father-in-law, but my mother-in-law ended up getting remarried um, to her high school sweetheart, and he's the guy who's been there the entire time that I've known my wife, and so he is my father-in-law, and we found out, I guess a couple of months ago, that he had some cancer, and then we found out a little bit after that. That it really wasn't looking good and he probably wasn't going to make it. So he went back home to Arizona to be with his family last week. And a few days after being there, um, he passed away. And that's been very hard on me. I didn't think it would be. I remember when I found out, I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't really have a connection to this guy. For being honest, I thought the guy hated me the majority of the time um but at the end I realized he didn't hate me he just he had his way of doing things and we have ours and sometimes they clashed and let's be honest when we all get older we get settled in our ways and it's harder to change so you know it just sucks that all this time went by where we didn't really get to hang out and really get to enjoy each other. Like, 
I think one of the lasting memories I'm going to have, honestly, is of him <laughs> talking crap to me. So about this Alliance Football League. And so he's being an Arizona guy, decided he was going to follow the Arizona team. And when we found out Salt Lake City was getting a team, I was like, oh, great. I'll have a team to follow. Well, it turns out they played week one. And it was a Sunday, and we have all the family over. Or it was Saturday or whatever it was. And I usually hang downstairs because when I watch football, I do it pretty loudly. And... uh. I've got to be very careful with what I say because, you know, my mother-in-law and her husband were very uh, committed to their religion and their beliefs. And sometimes I just stayed downstairs because I thought it was easier than, you know, I didn't want to offend them or do something I thought was disrespectful for them. So I just stayed to myself. It seemed to be easier. but And we just kind of did our own thing. Even on a football regular, the regular NFL season, for the couple years we've been here for that, he's kind of watched in his room, and I've watched TV downstairs. And I wish that it could have been more like this last time we watched football together because he was talking trash to me from upstairs. He was yelling stuff down. Like, I think that's the one thing I've learned about death, not just with this not just with my father-in-law, but with the people I've had to watch go through it, is it really opens you up. You let your guard down. Um, You don't really care as much. And you just be yourself. And I really wish I could have seen more of my father-in-law in the way that I've seen him in those last few moments. You know, because it turns out he was pretty funny. And I know he really cared about my wife, and I know that he loved my mother-in-law something fierce. And honestly, that's all that was ever important to me. And he was always good to my step, my stepson, my son. Why did I stop? That's the first time I ever called Trevor my stepson on here. But uh, that's what happens. Sometimes my emotions get to me. Anyways, I thought this wasn't going to be that hard on me. I thought I would be like the rock for my wife. And just kind of do anything I could for my mother-in-law to help this transition. Which I knew was going to be really hard on her. And so I did that, I thought. Um, we found out, We I remember I woke up and my wife who, you know, one of my favorite things about her is her soul. And just everything touches her. And I woke up and she was just bawling. And I just knew, like, I didn't want to ask. I knew but I knew once she said what the answer was, I had to go into support mode. And I was ready to do that. But turns out that actually doing therapy for real the last couple of years is I'm not really good at just pushing emotions down like I used to be. And the more I sat there and thought about his passing, the more it really bothered me. And... uh I really had some stuff to work through, which I'm not through yet. I'm still struggling like a mofo out here trying to figure out what exactly these feelings are. I can tell you guys I've never been good with death. Um, I've had now three 
four key people in my life pass away. And every time I've kind of avoided it. And, you know, I think back to like that first one was my grandma who also had cancer and I basically watched her die over a span of time. And, you know, there were a couple of times where she asked me to like smother her with a pillow and I just pushed all that shit down. Like I didn't let it, I never like worked through it, you know, like you should do. I didn't let it out. I didn't cry. I didn't act like anything was wrong. I kind of just shut down. I actually ended up moving to Florida because uh, going in my grandma's house was just overwhelming, to say the least. And so I decided I moved to Florida for like a year. And eh, quite a year, about a year. And then, and that was tough. Like my grandma, um, outside of my mom, was probably, as most of us, you know, one of the most influential women in my life. And she was a fucking hoot. Like, I really wish my wife could have met my grandma because my grandma was the shit. Like, especially when she got to that point where she just didn't give a fuck. Like, she was going to tell you her opinion. I used to love it when she would, like, rip into my stepdad. It was fucking priceless. Um, And she was probably the only person when I was young that was really honest with me. Like, so I was raised thinking that my stepdad was my dad. There was no, you know, I, they told me, well, you don't have his last name because we weren't married when you were born. So we just gave you, you know, your mom's last name. And I remember running around being like, dad at my grandma's house, because that's where I spent. If I wasn't at my brother's house, who basically was right across the street from my grandma, I was at my grandma's house and I remember being down there and being like man I just wish that dude wasn't my dad he's kind of an asshole I mean I didn't call him an asshole but you know I was a little kid and I remember my grandma would drop little hints like oh you should talk to your mom about that oh you should talk to your mom about that and I really just didn't even pay attention to it and then you know now when I found out the day I found out he wasn't my dad, that he was just a piece of shit human being who I wouldn't piss on to save his life at this point. Uh, matter of fact, the key reason I'm friends with him on Facebook is just so I can find out the day he kicks the bucket. Um, but Grandma was always straight shooter with me, and I spent a lot of time with her, like. I was the one I got my license. I was the oldest grandchild. So when I got my license, I was, you know, basically designated her little drivee. And I would drive her to go shopping. And Grandma loved to shop. Grandma would look through shit all day long, like 3, 4X. Grandma's a normal-sized human, but she was looking guys' crows. Like, she was just looking at everything. She could find a deal she wanted it. Which, by the way, is a trait that my ginger wife has as well too aka my grandma was a ginger as well so I wonder if gingers are just thrifty who knows um yeah so but I never like I remember I remember hospice coming to get my grandma one day I was just getting home and they were wheeling her off in the ambulance and I knew like I just knew that was going to be it 
I wasn't going to see her alive again. And, you know, fast forward, I think it was the next morning, Grandpa coming at like 5 in the morning downstairs, just being like, Grandma's dead. And I just played the role I thought I was supposed to play, acted like I was how I thought somebody, you know, when somebody died, you're supposed to act. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was super sad, but I didn't really have genuine feelings. I just pushed that shit down. And, you know, and that's kind of a theme for how I deal with anything uh, that really saddens me. I just shove it down. Because I didn't have to deal with it. Like I said, I moved to Florida almost immediately. And, you know, then fast forward to, you know, the next big death um, was my friend uh, David. And David was awesome. He was this guy, hardcore Mormon. Um, now, as I say that, don't give me shit because I was baptized with the church. I just, you know, have a natural now disdain for organized religion. But I love the church. I love the good work that they do. But he was hardcore. And, you know, he lived his life 100% the way the church kind of says you should live your life. And David, I remember when I met David, he was just this nerdy guy. And I was like, I'll never be friends with this guy. And ended up needing a place to live. And he was renting his basement out. They just converted. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, yeah. Dave's quirky as fuck. But the rent was right. And it was nice as hell. He did a really good job. And I was like, all right. So I lived there for a handful of months. I'd carpool occasionally with David. Um... Got to be really close with his family and his son and daughter. And they really just took me in. They really befriended me, no questions asked. And I'm somebody who has a lot of flaws. And he just never seen that. So, you know, over the short time be- between me moving in and him passing on, I got really close to David. And, you know, so I'm at work one day. And I used to leave like, you know, half hour or so, 45 minutes before David. Because I have this weird thing about always being early. And, you know, the head of HR calls me to his office and says, Hey, Dave was in an accident on his way to work. And we don't think he's coming back. And I was like, oh, you mean like a couple weeks, a couple months, he'll be all right. And I'm like, no, he's not going to make it. And again... I just reacted, you know, 100% on what I thought I should act like. You know, the sadness, you know, present the sadness I thought I was supposed to have. And it worked, you know. I pushed all that real feelings down. Felt real weird living underneath the house. But I just pushed the stuff down and was thrilled, you know. If I'm looking back, as much as I was sad that I had to move out, I was also very thrilled to be moving out because I couldn't deal with, I could, I don't think I could have held it down if I had to live there and see his wife go through, you know, that process of, um, needing somebody, you know, that process of grieving. I'm sorry. So, you know, I moved on. 
I put on a sad face, and I was sad, but I think I was a bullshit sad face I was putting on, just to try to sell so people, like, didn't, like, I don't know, try to, like, get any more out of me, um, but it sucked, and I remember just going through all these emotions, but never letting them out in front of people, never talking to anybody about it, and never really letting them out, out, like, I just, I knew they were there, right, right Kind of on the surface, but I had them on just enough, right? And then third person was my friend Brandon, who, if you guys know, I always talk to my brother about my brother Butler, who is not my blood brother. He's just my best friend since, like, third grade. But if you try to tell me he's not my brother, I'll stab you in the throat. Um, He's closer to me than any of my siblings are uh, by far. And our families, I like to think, are very close. So, um, me and my wife are outside barbecuing. And, you know, my brother calls me. And he tells me that Brandon, he's asked me, you know, this is a normal friendly call. So, it's joking. And my brother, pretty straightforward guy. He doesn't really sugarcoat anything or kind of prep you. He was just like, Brandon's dead. And that shit hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. And it turned out he hung himself. And so Brandon, like, it was my brother. And then me and my brother were best friends. And then if my brother had, like, a a best friend outside of our brotherhood, it was our friend Brandon. And we all grew up together. We played baseball every day. We did everything together. Uh, I don't remember a time in my life Brandon wasn't involved in. Except for after I moved out here, we kind of lost touch and, you know. Brandon had made some life choices that I didn't so much agree with, so I didn't really keep his contact as much as I would hope that I would have and wished to this day that I would have, you know, thinking maybe even though we weren't super close that I could have noticed something or said something or even said something to Butler, like, hey, keep an eye out for this. Like, we got some concerns. But that didn't happen. And so Brandon's was a little harder. In the sense that it was that first friend I lost. You know, that's when you realize that. It was the day I realized that we're all going to die. And I'm not ignorant to the fact that I was going to live forever. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had a chance to live forever, I absolutely would. But I knew we, I knew that at that point it was, you know, we're in line now. Like, it's just a process. And I was pissed. Like, I was also mad. I think that's, like, the one feeling I think I did acknowledge. Because if there's something I'm good at, it's being mad at people. My wife will tell you I'm phenomenal at holding grudges. Not that you want to be good at something like that. But it's definitely something I have a strong ability for. And I was pissed. You know, suicide, something that angers me I feel like as much as I don't understand what those people are going through and I'm never going to pretend to I do feel like it's an easy way out that's my first reaction when I think about it so I'm like well he fucking cheated us all you know he had kids he had a you know I'm not sure his wife's situation if they were estranged or just wasn't going well but either way um Brandon was gone and that affected my brother in a serious way. And so 
I try not to like speak negatively of Brandon because I know how it affects my brother. But it's it was really hard. And again, I'm just pushing more stuff down. At this point, I haven't had any therapy or even really considered that I really wasn't mentally healthy. And I wasn't like now that I've spent 200, 200, two years in therapy and found myself somebody who I really trust. I know that I wasn't mentally healthy for the majority of my life. Um, a lot of that is my childhood, which was fucked up. Uh, I thought it was normal, but it was really kind of fucked up. Um, it just was not a healthy environment I grew up in, you know, fighting and shit like that all the time. Wasn't good. So that was number three. And that was hard. And, you know, we got through and then life just kept going. Um, and now fast forward to my job, plant closing, opting to go to school, which has had its plus and minuses. Definitely hasn't been what I thought it was going to be. It hasn't been. Nothing has went as we planned. So, obviously, like, every day I'm just overloaded with pressure and stress because I don't want to fail my family in 10 different ways. But now, you know, the whole time I remember I have had talks with my wife for, you know, right after we first moved in, we just didn't didn't feel like my father-in-law wanted us here. Felt very unwelcome. Felt like he was looking down on us. And it just sucks that that's the, like the majority of the time how I, I spent feeling about this man who, if we would have just set all the bullshit aside and fat, you know, life could have been like it has been relationship wise since we found out he was sick. I think I would have really loved having some more time with him. He, you know, was a great guy. He did open his home to us, you know. Maybe he didn't, like, do it, like, the way we wanted him to or we expected him to, but he never actually said he didn't want us here. It's just a feeling I had. But, it like, he was a pretty cool guy. Like, he planned this trip to North Carolina as much as for the whole family, him and my mother-in-law. Because that's where he grew up, and he wanted us to see where he came from. And there was a lot of little bit of drama, little types of drama on that trip. But honestly, it was one of the best trips of my life. My wife and I got engaged right before that trip. And, like, we found out when we were down there that we loved North Carolina. Like, he introduced us to something phenomenal that I'll never forget. North Carolina is a place that we definitely maybe even like to live at some point. So it just sucks. And so when he passed, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be strong like I've always been. And I don't know how to deal with these emotions. So we'll just push him down, push him down, whatever, right? And... Lo and behold, I can't do that. Like I, I, I realized that like literally the day 
he passed because me and my wife was like, we were supposed to go to uh, an event. And she's like, well, are you going to go? And I'm like, no, I just wasn't feeling it. Like, I I didn't want to get out of bed, to be honest with you. Like, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken, number one, for my mother-in-law because, yeah, you know, she has moments like we all do where she's frustrated at something we've done and or some way we've done something or the dogs got into something because my dogs can be assholes. But I just didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to. I could have laid in bed all day that day. Like it's probably the f- his death is probably the first death that I've actually like allowed myself to work through the emotions. And I'm realizing the reason I probably didn't do it any time before is because a lot of my emotions are regret. Regret that I didn't open my heart to the possibility of this person being in my life. Or like really seeing what this person had to offer my life, which was a lot, you know, and I could say that about everything with, even with Brandon on some level, there's regret that I looked at some of the things he did as things that life losers did. And I didn't want to be a part of that. But the fact was that wasn't the case. Like Brandon had a good soul. Brandon was always good to me. He, even we didn't agree. I always think that he had my back. Uh, my grandma, I just regret a lot of shit. Like sometimes I regret not putting that pillow over her face and taking the suffering away. I regret not, I definitely didn't spend enough time with her at the end. Like my sister was there basically waiting on her hand and foot and you know, me, because I've never really felt part of my family. I avoided it. I couldn't watch my grandma suffer. So I basically did everything I could not to be at the house. And then she was gone and I missed conversations and I missed laughing. and I missed her joking with me or giving me apples that tasted like salt because she fucking loaded the apples with salt. So gross and selfish of me. Like that's what like, I think I'm very self-aware way more self-aware since I started therapy. But, um, I think like the key thing I've learned about death is I'm a selfish asshole and not selfish. And I won't help people. I'd like to think my family will tell you that if if I can do it, I will, you know, and sometimes I'll do shit that I can't afford to do or can't do. Um, but emotionally selfish. I shut myself off. Like, I don't talk to my family. Um, You know, outside of my mom, I don't really think about my family. And that's fucked up. But the fact is, like, I don't feel like I belong to them. Like, I don't feel like I'm part of that family. I feel like I'm an outsider. And I think what's another really hard thing is, like, for the first time, probably outside of Butler's family, I feel like I am in a family that I'm loved and that I'm wanted and then I'm like, I fit. Even when I don't fit, I fit. Like, I'm, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm rambling on. And I apologize, but guess what? That's just what you get with these. And I think I'm also very aware that I'm probably the next one to go. You know, and me and my wife, we talk about 
how maybe we were, you know, the plant closing. Maybe the reason we moved in here was for this situation to support my mother-in-law emotionally and keep an eye out for, you know, in the case this happens, you know, my father-in-law always thought that because like there was a thing with men didn't really live past 72. He was 73, but men didn't really live past 72. So we would talk about like, well, maybe that's just what we're here for to be a support. And lately I've been thinking maybe we moved in here for both reasons. So my, my wife could go get closer with her mom and we could support her mom emotionally and do whatever we can because I love my mother-in-law. The woman has done so many great things for us. But maybe with my weight, maybe I'm the next to go. And this is a way for my wife not to be alone when I pass. I hope that's not the case. But I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it wasn't on my mind a lot. Which, you know, triggers all kinds of like eating shit, you know, that I shouldn't be eating. And just not taking care of myself. Because like what the fuck. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You know. For me eating is everything. Happy. Sad. Depressed. Excited. I'm fucking eating. I celebrate by eating. I get depressed by eating. So. But when I'm really depressed. Like you know. The sadness I've been feeling. This last few days. Since the passing. I eat. And I eat. And I eat. And so maybe, you know, maybe that's what I'm here for. Maybe part of this is I'm the next to go. And I hope that's not the case. You know, I always have these like grand plans to find a way to reconnect with my daughter who um, doesn't really acknowledge my existence for at all. She's a growing ass woman now. I mean, she's a young lady. She's. Sorry, she'll be 21 uh, in November, and she's doing her own thing, and, you know, I've disappointed her a lot in her life. And on top of, like, she's heard a lot of bullshit about me, so her opinion of me isn't that good right now. That being said, um, definitely something, like, I it's one of the things I want to fix. I want to have more time with my son. I want to help him you know, continue that transformation into uh, a guy who can run his own family. And I know he thinks I'm a hard ass and I know he thinks that I'm, you know, inflexible and he's not completely wrong, but I also think it's important for him to have structure. So I want to finish those things. I want to, you know, I want to have more time with my wife. Where we're healthier and we're like, you know, we have our own place and we're doing some of the things we want to do. Like we want to have dinners every Sunday and our open house dinners at anyone. I mean, strangers, family members, friends, anyone can come over for a Sunday dinner open, you know, we do like a potluck. I want to get back to having card nights. And I mean, I think that shit would be good for me anyways, like just emotionally. But I want to do that stuff. I want to be that kind of guy. And if I don't get healthy, you know, that shit's it's not going to happen. I want to fix some friendships. Like, you know, what sucks is I had some friends out in Tooele 
which is about 35 minutes from where we're at now, they basically disown me. They don't return calls. They don't return texts. And it sucks because these are people who I thought I had really made a connection with. And, yeah, I was definitely always the weird guy. But I think we had core goal, like core beliefs. Uh, I thought we like were there to chat with each other and help each other through the school process. But that's just falling off, you know, and over some dumb shit, in my opinion. Call me crazy. So I don't know. There's a lot of shit going on in my head. Like the friend stuff really drives me nuts because I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have a lot of people who like are true friends, like people I um just really count on, you know, to be available to me to you know, have come over, have do things with because I'm kind of an oddball guy. I believe I have a, a different belief structure when it comes to like relationships, when it comes to um I speak my mind. Like I don't I don't love confrontation. My wife will tell you she thinks I love it. I don't love it. And I don't always handle it well. Like I definitely escalate things. But I also I'm not afraid to stand up for myself. I think that's important that you, you know, you advocate for yourself and you don't be afraid to ask for things you think you deserve. Or you ask for things you need help. That's the thing I'm really hard at. Um, But, unfortunately, my friends, I guess, it's too hard to be my friend because I've only got a handful of real, like, legit friends. You know, I remember my friend Mondragon. The guy was, like, honestly probably the best friend I had out here and over, you know, basically stopped talking to me because I asked him to come on and do the podcast because people loved having him come on and it sucks because I miss hanging out with that dude. Like that dude was like a brother to me. I, you know, I, I thought that I got to be a shoulder for him and an ear for him when he was going through his divorce and I just thought that guy, you know, he was like, you know, that line of being like a brother to me. And I just thought we'd be lifelong friends. But ever since I moved out here and I've asked him to come on my podcast because I like sometimes not talking about sports, he, I don't know, I guess he thought it was easier just to avoid me than to be my, to be a friend, you know? And obviously, like, he got, he's in another relationship, so he's got his own shit going on, and I... I'm happy as fuck for the guy, but I just, I hate that I've lost some of my friends. Um, yeah. I don't know, guys. Um, I feel better a little bit, a little decompressed. I was kind of like fuming. And so thank you for letting me ramble. And if you listen to this, I appreciate it. Um, comment on these, please, because like, I don't want to be alone here. Uh, and I want to talk about stuff. So I think that's all for now. We'll try to, I think I'm going to try to do these more because I always feel better once I've done them. Um, and I feel better once 
I've just gotten through it. So, like I said, I'm not 100%, but that took the edge off, and I appreciate it, guys. Until uh, next time, it's uh, Chewy and a.k.a. Matt Pierce. So, let's go out with some sweating bullets. Megadeth. Bye, guys.